So, we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 today. Uh, There are 12 chapters in this book, and our typical pattern is that we go through a book of the Bible, um, because the the Bible was written not verse by verse, not to just find little inspirational quotes from here and there, but it was written uh, as whole books, and we want to understand them first in their context, and then hopefully find ways to apply them to our lives. And so, um, we are going through the book of Ecclesiastes. We started going through the book of Romans. We'll get back to that now uh, in August, um, but we're going to be going through the book of Ecclesiastes. I am taking a break next week on July 4th weekend. Uh, when I assume we'll have some visitors here and some people away. And just thinking about words like freedom and glory that come up a lot of times when we talk about our nation, turning to a passage in Scripture that uses those words, uh, and just looking at something different for next week. But this week still we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And uh, the title of the sermon today is Wise or Foolish. And I assume that you could probably look back on your life and recognize that you have made decisions. Some, every day we make countless decisions, many that seem very insignificant. But sometimes there are decisions that we make that can really literally change the course of your life, right? That we've made a decision, maybe it was a decision at one point in life to hang out with a certain person. And that person hung out with some other people and that group of people did a certain thing and kind of took you in a certain direction. So maybe a foolish decision there or maybe a wise decision. A decision maybe to leave somewhere at a certain time and drive on a certain road. That, that perhaps that was the way in which your life was spared. You missed an accident by just a little bit. Or perhaps it was maybe the time where you took a road and were in an accident that has altered your life. Maybe it's just a decision to say something when you probably should have kept your mouth shut. Or a decision to keep your mouth shut when you probably should have spoken up and said something. Right? So we make decisions that affect lives all of the time. And today's big idea as we look through Ecclesiastes chapter 10 is this. We have a choice to live wisely or foolishly, and what we choose matters. We have a choice to live wisely or foolishly, and what we choose matters. And so as we work our way through this book, we're in chapter 10. It is the Word of God, and because... When we read God's Word, one way to kind of make it stand out and help us to remember that it's God's Word that we're reading is we stand up. And so if you're able to do that, would you please stand now as we read from God's Word, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10. God's Word says this, Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, and so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great defenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking around on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them. He who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. 
If the serpent bites before it's charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. But happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature will tell the matter. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, that you have breathed out your word through human authors speaking to certain people in certain times, but that your word uh, by, by your power has been preserved for us so that as we read it, we can have confident assurance that what we are reading is the word of God. Some of it is very inspiring and easy to understand. Some of it very convicting. Some of it harder to understand. And, and many of the, the passages that we've looked at in Ecclesiastes fall in that category of being a bit harder to understand. But, but God, I thank you for the way in which it points us to the, the, the seeming meaningless sometime, meaninglessness of trying to figure out everything on our own uh, under the sun here. As we look at life and we try to make reflections, and sometimes the reality is life doesn't make sense to us. But at the same time, the reality is that you are God who is sovereign over all of it. And so I pray that you would be working in our hearts, that we would have a fear of you, a healthy fear of you. And I pray that even today, you'd be working in our hearts in such a way that you would help us to think about not just lots of little decisions that we make, but the biggest decision that we'll ever have to make. We want to be wise and not foolish. And we need your help with that because naturally we're foolish and naturally we're sinful. So I pray that your spirit would be at work in our hearts during this time and during this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. All right, so in your bulletin, as usual, there is an outline and an application guide that might help you as we follow along through this passage together. This is a long chapter, and again, I'm not going to be able to go through every verse. And as is the nature of Ecclesiastes, there are themes... But not all the time can you totally understand why a verse shows up where it shows up. Um, and so, so there are some verses that we might not spend much time on at all. But we do see some themes as we go through this. The first 11 verses really talk about the reality. And we know this because we've lived in this world. That as we look at the world around us, things go wrong sometimes, don't they? That things go wrong for all sorts of different reasons. It says here that it... I'm calling verse 1, it takes just a little foolishness. The, the, the illustration he gives is this, dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So perfumer's ointment would be something that would have this great pleasant aroma, but if dead flies would get into the jar in which this is held, even just maybe one or two dead flies would really stink the thing up really good. And all of a sudden something that's supposed to smell beautiful is not quite so beautiful anymore. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A little foolishness 
can make a big difference. Like one fool, maybe you've heard stories of somebody making one foolish decision in their life that changed the course of their life forever. Right? Illustration for me personally of this, uh, a while back, as a few months ago, I was, uh, I was making an egg bake. Uh, for our men's breakfast and so I made it on Friday night and so it was all raw and a little bit sloshy you know how it is in a 9 by 13 pan put a lid on it put it in my car drove the car here early in the morning on Saturday so I could bake it here while I got some other stuff ready didn't even notice anything just drove around and took the thing out of the back seat and put it in the oven here and baked it and we had a good egg bake and a couple days later it's like man my car kind of smells but I'm a dude and sometimes our stuff smells and like, well, I don't know what that is. I didn't even think much of it. Like, I better get one of those air fresheners, right? So what had actually happened was I spilled some raw eggs. They had sloshed out of the 9 by 13 and after a couple of days, it started to smell a little bit bad. So I got one of those little tree air fresheners. I got the vanilla kind. I just put a picture of the strawberry kind up. But I got vanilla, and that tried to make the car smell, but then the car smelled like vanilla and something nasty. But I still hadn't figured out that it was the raw eggs that it smells like, what is that smell in my car? And I, and I just kind of like let it go. And then Kirsten drove the car that I usually drive. She's like, what is that? That's, that's bad. Like, I know you smell bad sometimes, but what's that? And, um, and so then we kind of figured it out. You know what it was? I spilled some eggs, I bet. That's probably what happened. And so they had gotten in a car seat because I set them in a car seat. And it was, it was nasty, um, really gross. And, uh, but that's the idea, right? That even just a little bit, I mean, we I opened the thing and I baked it and we didn't even know there was any eggs missing. It was just a tiny bit, but just a little bit of nasty raw eggs in a car that's heated up over time can end up smelling pretty bad. A little bit of foolishness can lead to a lot of life-changing danger. And then I looked at the rest of these verses and noticed this. Verses 2 and 3, it says, A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. Even a little foolishness changes things. And, and when I read about foolishness, I often think of when I was younger. I wasn't totally reckless, but as a lot of young people are, and maybe you can think back to your own, and I'm still pretty young, but I'm thinking like back in high school, that there were times where I made a lot of foolish decisions. Kirsten thought it wise, and I think it wise now as well, that I maybe not share all of the details of each of those. Um, I'll just put a couple pictures up. One has to do with jumping off of bridges, and one has to do with storm drains. Um, We'll just move on from there, right? Um, But the idea is that that often we make decisions that seem like maybe because of the people that we're with or because of our maturity, maybe don't seem as foolish as they actually are, right? But sometimes even little foolish decisions can have great dangerous effects. We're told this is especially true as for children, right? So we're told in Proverbs, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him, right? And so kids... I know that, and we do. I, I've, I've talked to a lot of kids in our church. We've got some really, really smart kids in our church. But you know, kids, that God has given you parents on purpose, and no matter how smart you think you are, and your parents don't know everything, right? But God has given you your parents to be an authority over you, to discipline you, because without them, you would make some foolish decisions. You might not think they're foolish, 
but your parents know better than you do. And so when your parents discipline you, it's because they recognize that sometimes you're prone to make some foolish decisions, and they want to help you. They want to love you. And so one of the ways that your parents love you is by disciplining you, right? So we need to recognize that as, as kids, that foolishness is something that comes pretty naturally, especially when we're kids. We don't think through everything. We don't understand things as well as a lot of adults, so we often do foolish things, right? Foolishness is all around us. That's what I saw as I went through verses 4 through 7. Foolishness is all around us, even in places that we wouldn't expect. We might expect that people who are in positions of authority, people who are set in high places, that they would get there because they are very wise, where we find in this guy that the author of Ecclesiastes has has gone through enough life that he has seen that oftentimes the people that are put in high places are often quite foolish, right? So folly is set in many high places. So we know that. We've seen that in our life. That, again, just kind of highlights the reality, the need that we must be praying, especially in an election year in our nation. We need to be praying that the people put into office would be wise, right? So... Foolishness is all around us. And then the next few verses, verses 8 through 11, talk about how sometimes things happen not because we're foolish, but just because we live in a fallen world, right? Some of you have the kind of job in which you're in danger quite frequently. I think of those of you that are farmers, the the huge equipment that you work with and the kinds of work that you do day in and day out, that you are not because of foolish decisions, but you're just because of your job put in dangerous situations, right? And the author of Ecclesiastes has seen that, and so he writes about it. He says, he who digs a pit will fall into it, and the serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, right? Like it's your job to quarry stone, but you know what? Rocks are big, and sometimes you get hurt when you're doing that job. He who splits logs is endangered by them, right? You've seen you maybe seen pictures or videos or heard stories of somebody trying to chop down a tree. It doesn't always go well, right? Maybe you've gotten hit with a branch yourself at some point. But there's danger all around us. My dad grew up, thinking about farmers, my dad grew up on a farm, and, and he was one of the brothers that went and did something else after he grew up on the farm, but would go back and help out every once in a while. I remember when I was a kid, my dad, we went to the farm to help out, and my dad was helping my uncle with something. I can't remember what they were doing, and my dad made a decision that at the time uh, probably thought he was okay and wasn't a very good decision, stepped over a power takeoff that was working, and uh, by God's grace, my uncle was there and was able to kill it right away, not until it stripped my dad's pants off and wound him in a, in a, in a tight little ball, and, uh, but he was safe by God's grace, but that's not always the way that it works. My grandpa spent more than half of his life with no fingers on his right hand because a corn picker took them. My dad's brother lost his life in an accident while he drove a milk truck and a tractor cut in front of him. And so um, there is danger, and it's all around us, especially in this kind of environment that we live in where there's a lot of agriculture and a lot of really big things out there. So it's just reality, right, that danger is all around us. And often the only way that we can make sense of the fact that we're still here is by God's grace. And we can recount time and time again where God has protected us from the danger that is all around us. Sometimes it has nothing to do with foolish decisions, right? But danger is reality. So 
So there are things all around us that, that might cause fear in us. There's another thing in us that can cause a lot of damage and harm. Uh, and we can make a choice to use it wisely or foolishly. And often without thinking, we use it foolishly. And that is our tongue. Right? That often we use words not wisely but foolishly. So if you see in verses 12 to 15, I mean, right, anybody here ever spoken a foolish word? Anybody ever said something and immediately almost wished, I wish I could have that back? Probably shouldn't have said that, right? Sometimes you can't have it back, but the verses 12 through 15 really talk about foolishness, and we've kind of hit on this theme before in the book of Ecclesiastes, that oftentimes fools will use many words, um, and sometimes the most wise thing to do is to hold your tongue, and we want to do that, but then we're reminded in the New Testament in the book of James that it's really hard, right? It's really, really hard. It says in the book of James chapter 3, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Right? Isn't that true? And don't we long for I mean, think of all the times that we have used words foolishly. And how damaging that is to other people. Sometimes we know, sometimes we don't even know. We don't even know a careless word that has come out of our mouth, the damage it's done that we never even hear about, the relationships that it's severed, the opportunities for proclaiming the love of Jesus to somebody that have been taken away because of some foolish words spoken out of our lungs. And so I read a passage like that in James, and I know it. I know it's true about me. And I long for, okay, so what's my hope, though? No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Well, well, who can tame my tongue? Who can? We'll get to that here in a little bit. But there's a few more verses here in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 before we turn to the New Testament. The end of Ecclesiastes chapter 10, it seems like, the Proverbs get a little more random. It's harder to find a theme for each of these. But he says in verse 16, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. The idea that, that a whole land will suffer when its leaders are foolish. right? And again, a, a good reason for us to be in fervent prayer about the elections that are taking place in our country coming up later on this year. right? A whole land... Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. The Proverbs seem to get more random, like I said, as we go on. If you look at verse 18, kind of a reminder that if you're lazy, your house might fall apart. Okay? A, lot of, a lot of Proverbs are just general truths, like, well, yeah, of course, right? Somebody who's lazy, and maybe they're not taking care of things the way they ought to take care of things, well, it's probably going to fall apart then, Right? Good reminder, good reminder to us that food and drink and money are all good gifts. Now, did, did you do a double take when I read verse 19? Did you hear that, the, the last line of verse 19? Money answers everything? Really? Like, I didn't expect to find that in the Bible, right? Like, what, what is that about? What, when he says, money answers everything, it is, it's hard to translate that from the Hebrew, and so that might be part of the problem. And then even stuff that's easier to translate, once it's translated, it's still hard to understand. 
I don't totally get it. I don't totally get what he's getting at there. He might be getting at what some people have suggested, which I think makes sense, is that money is needed for everything, okay? Like, you, bread is good for laughter. Wine gladdens life. That's great, okay? So food and drink are needed. But in order to get those things that are going to bring some measure of joy to life, you need money. So money is needed for everything. Money answers everything. Maybe that's what he's getting at there. And then verse 20, another reminder about the tongue, kind of reminding you to be careful about the way you speak about others because even though you think they're never going to hear it, they might hear it, right? So I'm guessing the author of Ecclesiastes probably wouldn't have like sent sensitive email information or sensitive information in a text message. You'd be like, oh, you never know who it's going to get to, and so you've got to be really careful with the words that you speak, right? So just another final reminder there, but... I'm reading through all of this this week and studying this passage, and I kept being brought back to Matthew chapter 7. And I'm thinking about wisdom and foolishness. I'm thinking about the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You can go ahead and turn there because we're going to spend the rest of our time there. In Matthew chapter 7, context is this. Matthew has just recorded Jesus' Sermon on the Mount through chapters 5, 6, and 7 are what we commonly refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so many things have been spoken and taught by Jesus in chapters 5, 6, and 7. And by the time we get to the end of chapter 7, there is a decision to make. There's some work that needs to be done, right? And so here we are at the end of chapter 7. And as we get to the end of chapter 7, just a little context for you. Chapter 7 says that i got to find my notes. I'm on like a wrong, here we go. I've got notes. Excellent. Chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Um, if you look back a little bit, verses 13 and 14 say, I think I've got it on, yeah, I do. Verses 13 and 14 say this. After all that Jesus has said, he's saying, listen, people, you've got a choice to make. And here's what he says. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide. And the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. He's saying, listen, you've got a choice to make. I've told you many things, and here's the choice that's laid in your lap. Choose wisely. You can choose to take the path that most of the people are taking. It looks like the one that makes the most sense because it's a wide path. It's a really pretty easy path, and there's a whole lot of people walking on it, right? And so go ahead, that, that's a decision that you can make. Join the crowd, join the majority, whatever everybody else seems to be thinking about everything, whether it's sexuality that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, whether it's anger, whether it's marriage, all sorts, whether it's giving to the poor, take the road that everybody else seems to be taking. That's one option for you, but a warning, that's the way that leads to destruction. There's another choice that you can make, and the one that he encourages by saying at the beginning, enter by the narrow gate. Verse 14 then says, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Just a reminder, hey, uh, Jesus has taught many things, and so you've got this choice. Do you want to choose what everybody else seems to be choosing? Knowing, though, that that is the easy way that leads to destruction? Or do you want to choose the way that leads to life? The gate is narrow, the way is hard, and there's fewer people on that road. 
And then, right before the passage that we're going to look at, a little more context that's, I think, very helpful. There is this section, uh, verses 21 through 23, where people are coming before Jesus and saying to Him, Lord, Lord, and Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And those people will argue, well, hold on, though. And they would bring before Him kind of their religious resume. But, but look at my life. Here are the things that I have done. Here are the things that I've confessed with my lips and the things that I have done with my hands. See what I've done, Lord. Right? And He says to them, oops, i got to go back one. And he says to them, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Those are hard words from Jesus. Those who thought maybe their whole life because they had lived in a way that they thought everybody around them assumed. I mean, the outside, everything looked really good. And they even can have this religious resume that they've sent, set before Jesus and He can say to them, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, I never knew you. And that's the context in which these final verses from the Sermon on the Mount come about wisdom and foolishness in verses 24 to 27. So let's look at those. What we're going to see is we're going to see Jesus telling the story of two men. And these two men actually have something in common. Both of them are going to build a house. And we don't have any indication from the story that Jesus tells that this house is different in any way. Not like one is a more experienced builder and one is a less experienced builder. Not that one builds a shabby house and one builds a nice house. There's only one difference. We're going to read about it here in a little bit. Both of them are going to have storms come up against them. Here's what it says in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The difference is not in the weather and the circumstances of these men's lives. The difference is not in their building ability. The difference is based on what their house is based on. What was it that they were building their life on? What was the foundation? That's the difference. That's why one house falls and great was the fall of it and one house stands. The one was built on the rock, the other built on the sand. And so I would implore you to make a wise decision with what it is that you are building your life upon. If you are building your life upon your own religious resume, here are the things that I have done, God. See, everybody around me would say that I'm generally a pretty good person, that I have lived an honorable, decent kind of life. I have been even somewhat religious. I have somewhat regular church attendance, and I don't mind going when I go, right? And and so I have all these things. I, I at one time was baptized. I at one time prayed a prayer. I at one time read my Bible regularly. 
If you're banking on all of that stuff, I would warn you that that is the sandy foundation that Jesus is warning about. That is not a foundation that will stand when you come before the judgment seat of Christ. What foundation is your life built upon? Is Jesus your greatest treasure? Do you worship Jesus as Lord? Do you agree with Him about the ugliness of your own sin? Do you agree that you desperately need someone to atone for all of your sins, all of those foolish words that you have spoken that have harmed other people? The foolish decisions that come from a mind and a heart that are consumed often with sinful thoughts and attitudes? Do you recognize that or do you kind of push against that and try and convince yourself and others that you're really not that bad? Or, or have you agreed with God? Have you been had the, the, the mirror of His Word held up to you and you've, you've seen it enough that you recognize, okay, I recognize where I stand before a holy and righteous God that I am deserving of His wrath and not His reward. That's where I stand. And so I agree with Him about the ugliness of my sin. I don't try and excuse it. I don't try and justify it. I simply agree with Him about it and recognize and agree with Him that there is only one hope that I have. And I'm not going to build my life on a sandy foundation of my own good works. I'm going to build my life on the solid foundation that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, have you checked your own foundation? Have you chosen to submit yourself to Jesus? I would tell you this, that the only solid foundation that will allow you to stand through time and eternity is a life built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so you can think of all sorts of different wise and foolish decisions that you would make But when I come to a passage like this at the end of Matthew chapter 7 and hear the words of Jesus himself, I'm reminded that the the most foolish decision that you could ever make is to, to reject your need for a Savior. And the wisest decision that you could ever make is to submit yourself to Jesus, trusting in Him as Lord and Savior. All the other decisions kind of fall somewhere under that, but those are the most wise and the most foolish decisions that anybody could ever make. And the result of one decision or the other will be either that house will fall or that house will stand. Those of you who have made the wise choice to put your hope in Jesus, the question for you would be, are you passing that good news on to others? We have opportunities coming up this week with VBS for kids who are maybe living in a home where nobody's told them about the solid foundation of Jesus as Lord. That we can introduce them and they can begin to build their lives upon a rock-solid foundation. Praise God for that opportunity. And so in the midst of all the details that we need to figure out with VBS and all of the, you know, just making, like controlling the chaos and all that other stuff, would we recognize that we have the opportunity to talk to children who are building a life on some foundation. And our great desire is that kids would be building a life on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what we want to see happen. Parents, are you communicating that with your kids? Adults, are you and kids, are you communicating that with other people that you know? Jesus is the stone upon which we build our lives. All of our hope is set there. If that stone, if that foundation is pulled out, we have nothing. 
We're going to close by singing about that. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, the worship team is going to come up and we'll sing a closing song together. If you are not at a point yet where you've put your trust in Jesus and you're building your life on some other foundation and want to talk about what it means to put your faith in Jesus, I'd love to talk with you more about that. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we recognize that we do live in a world filled with foolishness and danger. Some of it seems totally outside of our control and some of it, we have to admit, is within our control and we just don't practice self-control often enough. We do live in a world filled with foolishness and danger. and We are people who are prone not only to foolishness but to sin. We're prone to wander. We're prone to foolishness. But as we confess now in song, we confess that our hope is not built on our own religious resume, but our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. There's nothing else that we can trust. There's nothing else that we as a people want to put our hope in other than Jesus. We know any other foundation is sandy and it will shift and it might look good for a time. God, we don't want to just look good for a time. We want to enjoy life with you for all of eternity. So I pray that people who have yet to cross that line and put their faith in Jesus, that today may even be the day that they do that. In Jesus' name, amen.